I love it when we start a new series just to see that. They call them bumps, I guess. But I think that is a pretty awesome bump, pretty awesome stage. This is Aaron Henley's work here. There's a lot of work went into this. I, in fact, I kept coming in every day when I would come in and uh, just to see if it was done yet. It wasn't done till today, but isn't it? It's a great background. Jesus plus, yeah. Thanks to Aaron. I'm really excited about this series for a lot of reasons, but mainly because this has been Nancy's in my life for the last year. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's what we're going to be talking about all summer long. And as we do that, what we're going to find out is the world has a lot of other formulas, but this is the only formula that works. I don't know if you've ever been through a tough time in your life when it didn't seem like there were any answers or any solutions. But uh, the church has been going great here over the past year. But Nancy and I have been through a few bumps in the road, so to speak. And, uh, and every time we do that and we wonder, you know, what's, what's going on? Um, we just remember that Jesus is always there. And he's always the answer, even when we don't know for sure what the question might be. And so if you're in that boat right now, uh, or if you're not in that boat, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to be in that boat sometime in your life. Because we all go through challenges where we need something and if you don't know what that something is uh, I'm here to tell you it's Jesus and the book of Colossians which we're going to go through this summer in fact here's the thing we're going to do tonight that I've never done before in uh, 30 almost one years of being a pastor and preaching is we're going to actually read the whole book of Colossians I've never read a whole book of the Bible before I guess we could have done Jude that would have been pretty easy right or Philemon, but, uh, but, you know, Colossians has four chapters, and we're going to read through it, but before we do that, a little bit of background about the book. Um, number one, why we're calling this series Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything is uh, because, actually, it's found in our take-home point for the night, and the take-home point is the Apostle Paul makes it clear that Jesus is everything in our lives. He's everything, and, and you can remind yourself of that because you all have a book like this. Does your book look sort of like mine? In fact, you might want to write your name on it because I think it looks exactly like mine and like everybody else's. And I hope you'll bring it with you every week because it's, this series is for the whole summer. It's going to last 14 weeks starting tonight. And uh, we're going to give you some opportunities to use this book uh, as a tool that I hope will be with you for the rest of your life uh, as you study God's Word. But in any case, Paul said that Jesus um, is everything in our lives. And that formula, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, establishes this important fact. Jesus is not an add-on. A lot of people think that Jesus is an add-on. You know, it's like something plus Jesus. It, it, that doesn't work. Something, whatever something is, plus Jesus doesn't work. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. In fact, we could actually say this. Everything minus Jesus is nothing. You can have all the money in the world. You can have good health. You can have success. You can have all the friends you need. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't really have nothing. You, I should say, you have nothing. If you don't, pretty bad grammar there for me. I, I'm pretty good at grammar usually. Uh, anyway, Jesus is everything, and without him, it doesn't matter what else we have, we have nothing. So those statements are pretty bold, aren't they? And billions of people in the world don't believe that, but that's what forms the basis of our faith in Jesus Christ. That's going to be the focus of our Colossians study. And we could actually turn to a simple statement that Jesus made to make the same point in John 14 verse 6. This is what Jesus said about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then the Apostle 
Peter made a statement, one statement, about the same, uh, very same thing in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He said this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The name is the name of Jesus. A couple weeks ago, Mark Lutz, as he was talking about idolatry, he made a very powerful point that anything, anything that comes before Jesus is an idol and that something plus Jesus never works. It's just Jesus plus nothing. And then last week, Pastor Brad talked about being released and raised. And what he was talking about when he was talking about being released and raised was released from sin and raised to new life in Jesus Christ. Obviously, that takes Jesus. Jesus is the center of everything we are and everything we do. So, the Apostle Paul, interesting thing, had never met the church at Colossae. Paul, most of the letters that are in this book that Paul wrote were churches that he started and then he left and they had problems and so they would go you know, track him down and they would ask him questions and he would write a letter and that letter w- would go back to that church like the church at Philippi or Ephesus or Thessalonica, two letters to that church. But he had never met the Colossian Christians. He was writing to address a heresy. Now, if you don't know what a heresy is, it's simply a false teaching about God and God's truth. And the heresy in the Colossian church was called Gnosticism. And it has a G at the beginning. It's G-N-O-S. Gnosticism is from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And the Gnostics believed that they had hidden knowledge that nobody else had. And in the case of the Colossian Gnostics, what they believed was that ceremonialism would save them or asceticism. They didn't believe that Jesus plus nothing equaled everything. They believed that Jesus was sort of an add-on. They also believed that works were very important. That's what the, the Gnostics believed in Colossae. And so Paul felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to write a letter to this church so that he could correct them and help them to see uh, what they could do to uh, get back on track. And I, 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 I'm really looking forward to this series mainly because these are modern heresies. When I say modern heresies, I mean they're heresies that have come up again now. Now, the, King Solomon... From, from ancient Israel said there's nothing new under the sun and that's really the truth there not is nothing new especially when it comes to what we human beings will invent to try to replace God in our lives but Paul is going to make it very clear in these four chapters that Jesus plus nothing equals everything now I I want you to understand this is not going to be a downer series where we're going to talk about what's wrong with everybody what's wrong with us what we're going to talk about all summer is Jesus and how he changes our lives from the inside out how he transforms us and how when he's in charge of our lives our lives are radically different not always radically easier in fact my my experience is that sometimes following Jesus is radically harder than following the ways of the world but it's always better And so before we uh, turn to, we're going to read, like I said, all four of these chapters. I'd like you to open up your book to page number two, if you would. And what you'll see is every week we're going to have the scripture for the day, the focus scripture. And you can see that for tonight, that's pages two, three, four, and five. And then it goes into the top of page six. And, And then on the middle of page six, what we have is something that says during the week. Guess what that's for? During the week. You're going to be able to do something during the week. Instead of just coming to church on Saturday night or Sunday morning and listening to the message, you're going to be able to go home and do something during the week that will reinforce what we've talked about on the weekend. 
And then the next thing is, at the top of page 7, what does it say? Message notes. Now, there are opportunities. Every week, you're going to know the scripture we're going to go through. You're going to look at the title of the, of the message, the take-home point, which for those of you who are new tonight, we have one point that we seek to make every single week, and we call it the take-home point, and we want to take it home with us and live it out in the week ahead, and then the commitment for that week and what we're going to do as a result of having been here today. And then there's a blank page, and guess what that's for? Whatever you want it to be for. It could be for drawing doodles. could be for, you know, putting your gum and rolling it over like that. Um, but I hope it might be for taking some notes. Because if you do that, then down the road, even five years from now, when you open up your Bible to the book of Colossians, you'll have some information and some notes that will help you to understand and remember what this book is all about. So that's what, uh, that's what this is going to, that's how it's going to go all summer. Tonight is the only night we're going to read all four chapters. Mostly we're just going to read a little piece at a time, as you'll be able to see that. If you just turned over to page 8, you could see next week we're going to look at eight verses. And that's typically about how many. Some days it'll be a little more than that. So we're going to go back to page 2. Everybody, uh, we're going to turn to page 2. Before we start reading, though, let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you so much for giving us your written word. Thank you even more for giving us Jesus, the living word who came to the earth, God in the flesh. And tonight, God, as we start this summer of focusing on him, we pray that you will continue to demonstrate your great love through him and for us through our study of this book that Paul wrote to correct people who were a little bit off. And God, we know we're a little bit off a lot of times. So this summer, God, may you make us more like Jesus. May this summer not be about religion. May it not be about guilt. May it be simply about this. Jesus plus nothing. So that we can experience the everything that you intend for our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses uh, 1 to 8. And there's a little heading. It says, Greetings from Paul. It says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother Timothy... We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Now, most weeks we're going to stop right there and we're going to pick up what it is about that passage that's significant for us. For tonight, all I want to do is say, look what Paul did for a group of people he had never met. First of all, he called them holy. He called them brothers and sisters. He encouraged them. He said that they were hard at work in sharing the gospel and that they had been doing that from the day that they started until that very day. And, and he said that this good news isn't just for them. And they know that they're sharing it with others because everybody who hears and receives the good news of Jesus Christ will have a transformed life here and now and will live in heaven forever 
Okay, let's move on to the next section called Paul's Prayer for the Colossians. So we have not stopped praying for you. I, I really want to stop and talk about this stuff, but I can't. Okay, because we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I want you to remember something. Paul never met these people. Paul never met these people and yet he prayed like this for these people. I want you to think about something. Do you know anybody out there in the world today who you haven't met yet who needs your prayers? There are lots of them. In fact, there are two pastors in the Sudan who may be executed for their faith in the next day or two. They need our prayers. You see, Paul understood that you don't have to know somebody to pray for them and that the prayers of righteous people avail much whether we know the people or whether we don't. And so what we're going to find out the, the second week, well, it'll be the third week, is we're going to talk about the power of prayer and the need that we have to pray even for those that we don't know. So let's move on to this next section. This is where Jesus plus nothing equals everything comes from. Christ is supreme. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. First in everything. That, just think about that for a second. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. We could, we could spend 14 weeks on that statement. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. Look at this. It says you were his enemies. That's all of us, by the way. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I can't wait to preach that week. Okay, so what happens next? Paul talks specifically about his work for the church. Now, this is broader than just for the Colossians, but it is for the Colossians, even though he never met them. And this is what it says. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. 
For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. That's the gnosis, the secret knowledge that's open to everybody. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you. Again, he never met these people. How much he agonized for them and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Huh. There are a lot of well-crafted arguments out there these days. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. What commitment Paul showed to a group of people he had not met, and actually to all people he had never met, he's actually showing commitment to us. Do you realize that? Because he wrote these words down and passed them along so that people who had never heard Paul's voice could read his words. And that's what we're doing tonight. And these aren't just the words of Paul. Because of the Holy Spirit's inspiration in Paul's mind and heart, these are the very words of God. And that's why it's important for us to read them, not just to read a couple verses here and there, but to read extensively God's Word and then to break it down and understand more and more and more on a day-by-day basis who God is and what God means to us. And I can sum it up for you. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Here's the next part. This is one of my favorite parts. It says in the, in the title, it says, Freedom from Rules. How many people, don't raise your hand, but how many people grew up thinking that the life in Jesus Christ was about rules? Here we're going to be told it's not. It's not about rules. It's about a new life. It says, now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone, this is it. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. That's the devil, by the way, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away By nailing it to the cross. That's the best news ever. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself 
is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. You see what Paul's saying? There's all kinds of rules out there. There's all kinds of something plus Jesus people out there. But it's not something plus Jesus. It's just Jesus. It says, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments. And it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ. That's the best news ever. We die to the old life. We have died when Christ died on the cross. Our sins died with him. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. I, again, I can't wait for that message. I, I, I haven't written it yet, but I know what it's going to say. Okay, living the new life. This is, where it's, this is where it's at. We don't have to follow rules. This is what we get to do. It says, since you have been raised to the new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is, is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger. Rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Isn't, this is, he's using the image of clothing. He's saying that our old sinful lives were like old rags, and we've stripped them off. And, and you know, don't go too far there, because that would mean you're standing here naked right now. But real quick, here's what it says. And now put on, put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. And then it says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, here we go. Here's our new clothing. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say... Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, this is interesting. After these general instructions about what we don't need to do anymore and about what we get to do, he becomes very specific and he's going to talk about wives and husbands. He's actually going to talk about children and then he's going to talk about slaves and masters. Now, thankfully, we've gotten way past the time in this culture when we have slaves and masters, but that week we're going to talk about working. 
in how we work unto the Lord as free people. But anyway, let's read this. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Now we're coming to the closing, and Paul starts off his closing with another encouragement to pray. He says this, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So notice what Paul says first. Devote yourselves to prayer. And notice that it's supposed to be a pretty intentional prayer because you're supposed to have an alert mind and a thankful heart. And then Paul asks, please pray for us. And I would encourage you even tonight, please pray for me. Please pray for the leaders of this church. Because we need your prayers so that we can be faithful in equipping the saints, you all, for works of ministry. And then he says, pray what? That I can proclaim boldly. Where is he? He's in prison. But he still wants to proclaim boldly that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The thing about Paul, it didn't matter where they put him. I mean, when he went to jail, what he did there, he, he converted the prison guards and the other prisoners. When, he let, when they let him out, he just went out and told everybody about Jesus. Because for Paul, it truly was. Jesus plus nothing is everything. And then he gives these final instructions and some greetings. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He probably was delivering the letter. That's why he would be able to do that. He's a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always praised earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you have read this letter... Pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains 
May God's grace be with you. Now, you may be wondering right now, why did we do that? Why did we take the time to read through four chapters of a book and now the message is going to be like four sentences long? Because that is the message. The book is the message. Do you realize every Sunday whenever I sit or or stand here or Mark or Brad or Jane or whoever preaches, this book is the truth. And, And what we say about this book, if it doesn't line up with this book, it isn't the truth. This is what guides us. And Jesus is what this book is all about from start to ending. And so as we come through this summer, this, um, this summer of Colossians, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, my prayer, and it's been my prayer actually for some weeks now, is that each of us will understand exactly what that means in our situation this summer. Because I don't know what you're going through, but God does. I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus plus nothing will be the solution to whatever it is. If it's a joyous time, you still need Jesus. If it's a terrible time, you really need Jesus. We always need Jesus. And the thing is, when Paul wrote these words to the Colossian church, he may not have known that he was writing the Bible. But God knew. And God directed him. And these words are truth. And Jesus told us that when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. And and Jesus is the the great deliverer. He's the one who redeems. And it's an interesting word because the, the truest use of the word redemption is to set a slave free. And that's what he has done. So tonight as we go out, I would encourage you, take this book with you. Don't leave it on your seat. And you might, you could put it in your Bible. I've tested it. It won't hurt your Bible. You see, it won't make your, you know, it's, it's not very thick. Take it with you. And during the week this week, I can tell you what during the week this week is. It's read through the book of Colossians every day this week. And you may never have read through a book of the Bible every day in a given week. But I guarantee you, if I've been reading through it a lot. I, I wanted to have it memorized before we started, but I don't. Um, I, there was this car accident on March the 19th. It sort of messed up my brain for a while. But maybe that's an excuse. I don't know. But I'm working at memorizing this book. Because one thing I know, this word is transformational. In other words, it changes us from the inside out. And so if you'll read it and then apply it. And if I will read it and apply it this week, our lives will change. And that's actually what we're going to talk about next week. Next week as we talk about Jesus plus nothing bringing, being everything, here's what we're going to talk about. There's an immediate change when Jesus takes over our life. And yet that change continues and lasts throughout our lives. Next Sunday, a little secret. Next Sunday, I'm going to be 58 years old. It's my birthday. Um, Next Sunday, June 7th. And from the time I was 6, I started reading this book. And from the time I was 12, I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. So what does that mean? It means I'm old and it means I've been following Jesus a long time. And he's still changing me every single day. He's still changing. And I'm more excited about following Jesus today than I've ever been. And if you're not excited about following Jesus right now, maybe you haven't even started following Jesus. I would encourage you tonight. It's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. All you have to do is say, Jesus, my life has been something plus not you. And I want to change the formula. I want the formula to be Jesus plus nothing. I want Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life tonight Tomorrow, the next day, every day, and I know that 
Pastor Chris is telling me this, and I don't know if it's true yet, that that will be everything. But I'm going to believe it. I'm going to have faith and take a step forward tonight. If that's you, welcome to the family. And if you already know Jesus, and maybe, you know, maybe right now is the highest point in your life, too. Maybe right now is the time when you're closer to Jesus than you've ever been. Praise God. But if maybe you've been following Jesus, but it hasn't been all that exciting. Maybe you've been following Jesus, but it, he's, been a, he's been the plus thing, you know. Something else is in charge of your life. Your family or your work or all the stuff that Pastor Mark talked about a couple weeks ago when he was talking about idolatry. If it's plus Jesus, it'll never work. Jesus has to be the first, whatever the thing is in the equation. What's it, numerator? I don't know. I'm not a math guy. Any math guys or girls in the thing? Is it, what's the first thing called? Numerator. <laughs> okay, look at that. He is a math guy. Okay, so I got it right. Um, Jesus plus nothing is everything. And our commitment for this week, it's very simple. I will live with Jesus first and last in my life this week. What does that mean? It means when I wake up in the morning, I'll say, hello, Jesus. Welcome to my life. Take over. And at the end of the day, I'll say, good night, Jesus. Please watch over me while I sleep. And let me wake up tomorrow to serve you again. And all the time in between, Jesus will be first. Now, I will tell you something. That's easier said than done. That's easier said than done. But if we do it, little by little by little by little, it makes life so much better. Not easier, but better. So let's, let's pray and ask God for a great week this week. Almighty God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much for giving us a written word about you. A written word that makes it clear who you are, and, it's, and, and, and again, that points to your son Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Lord of the universe. And God, tonight, I pray this simple prayer, that you would empower us by your Spirit, that we might take these words that we've read tonight, and that we might start putting them into our minds and into our hearts and into our lives, that we can live that equation, Jesus, plus nothing. And we will see how everything changes. This we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.